Hi and welcome to the Psyche Podcast where we discuss all things mindset, mental well-being and living your best life. I'm your host Hannah and I'm a mindset and mental well-being coach and founder of Psyche Coaching. Welcome and we hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone and welcome back. Happy Wednesday and I'm super excited for this episode. I always say that. I'm always super excited. But it's really been quite a brain-heavy, neuroscience, mindset, psychology-heavy week. Um, And regular listeners will know I am a complete geek (laughs) around all of that. Uh, I have a master's in psychology. I taught psychology. I love talking about the brain, neuroscience, all of that stuff. We're kind of delving into that a bit today, but not like in a heavy way. You don't need to be an expert you don't even have to really care that much about how it works it's more that today's guest Lindsay is sharing the work that she does which is backed by neuroscience so basically if you're a skeptic a bit like me stuff that there is evidence that it works um because there'll be there'll be new things come up that maybe are effective maybe not maybe for some people maybe not and sometimes we have guests on who share things that are maybe a little bit more out there um, but put work for them. As I've said before, I am a little bit skeptical. So yeah, we're kind of diving into science back stuff, which always makes me really happy. Uh, so I won't geek out too much, but it was a really fun, really chilled, really laid back conversation with Lindsay. And I really enjoyed connecting with her. Before we dive in, thank you to Lee who joined us for Monday's episode. Um, and I hope you enjoyed that and found it useful. I honestly have been reflecting on my sleep and my work environment, which at the moment, to be honest, is looking quite cluttered, <laughs> as does most of my house, to be honest. And one thing I have been thinking is taking a week off. And through throughout lockdown, I've been working from home and I've had this psychological thing sometimes of, you know, a lot of people have been saying about having more time and being at home. And, and for some people who were furloughed, for example, that, that was maybe true. Um, but I was lucky in that my my work didn't change I was just working from home but psychologically I was seeing this message and telling myself I had all this extra time which I didn't really have um so I um have been thinking about taking a week off work using some of my holiday later in the year to have a declutter because I have a lot of stuff and I can feel the weight of it on me if that makes sense um but finding the time to sort it and I think Maybe what some people don't realise, and some some people have lots of stuff and clutter, like me, and some people don't. Some people are, uh, I think when I spoke to, I think it was Lexis, a few episodes ago, and I said about clutter, and she, that's not her, um, she's not like that at all, um, but I am. And I think when you, when you have a lot of clutter, it's not just the physical act of sorting it and going through it and getting rid of stuff, it's the emotional side, because there will be maybe lots of stuff tied to that. And there's also the effort of making the time and, and doing it. And that, that whole process, which can feel quite quite draining. But I feel like things are, we're, we're over, over 60 episodes in. Uh, I feel like I'm not a, a turning point in my life. That's not the right phrase. But, you know, I, I feel like I'm on a new trajectory, a bit of a pivot or whatever. And I guess I want to think about my space think about the stuff that's around me and organize it a little bit who knows if that will actually happen I'll let you know in a couple of months (laughs) if I've actually done it 
uh, I find that's the thing. Sometimes I will, uh, I think this is a point Lee made actually about taking that time to reflect and to to actually do the action steps that you reflect on because quite often I'll have guests on and they'll say amazing stuff and I'll be like, oh yeah, I'm going to do that. And then I don't actually put that action in place because other stuff comes up and and it's go, go, go. And you don't have that that time to actually think about it and to actually sit with that that thought or actually process it fully or act on it. So we shall see, basically, about <laughs> the decluttering. As I said, this is um, a really fun conversation. So don't like the fact that I've thrown the word neuroscience around, put you off. And if you're wondering, Ugh, what is neuroscience? Uh, basically, uh, talking about the brain. Neurology is, is the brain, um, but not in a heavy way. So yeah, don't uh, don't let that put you off. It is honestly such a great conversation. And Lindsay really talks about the benefits of coaching, which I absolutely uh, would echo. And also loads of great stuff about being unstoppable and although she works predominantly with women and about being an unstoppable woman I think that this is applicable to everyone the message that she has and the strategies that she suggests I think everyone can can pick up and use with all that being said let's dive in Hi, everyone, and I'm really happy to welcome this week's guest, Lindsay, to the podcast. So, Lindsay, welcome. And if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, that would be fab. Yeah, well, thank you for having me, Hannah. I'm excited to be here. I am Lindsay Preston, and I'm a multi-certified life coach to go-getter women who feel like they've checked off life's boxes and yet somehow still feel unfulfilled. And they want to know why. And they have maybe some other life goals and for whatever reason they're just starting to feel stuck before that things are moving and grooving but they've just gotten to a point where it's like okay I'm feeling a little funky and my life's not flowing as easily as it once did and so I come in and I help them in my coaching process and we go through a nine-month process that's backed by neuroscience to help them really figure out the barriers that are keeping them stuck and how to live a deeply fulfilling life and from that they're able to go after those goals and accomplish them with more ease than ever before. So that's um, what I do in a nutshell. That's amazing. I mean, I definitely uh, would love to hear more about the neuroscience backing because that's right on my street. But um, I'm wondering if there are common reasons or patterns that you see in uh, the women you work with for why they're maybe feeling in this bit of a funk, even though things seem to be on track? Yeah. So a couple of things. First off is they are typically kind of like the good girls or the ones who wanted to be high achievers. And so they look to the external world to say, well, what is it that um, means success? And so that means, you know, maybe going to college or university and then getting a good job and working their way up the corporate ladder. And it just gets to a point where it's like, this isn't fulfilling me. I don't feel good when I accomplish these things. Um, And then another thing that really holds them back is people pleasing and just giving, 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 giving. And so we really have to work on that. Their own inner critic is something that's really holding them back and just stuff from childhood that maybe they even had a good childhood, but the childhood brain is just so highly emotional. We have to go back in there and see, you know, what are some things that are still keeping them stuck that's maybe on repeat in their mind that they don't even know um, that's holding them back. So in a nutshell, a lot of it is just they have really, you know, looked to society to tell them and they just haven't learned how to, to manage their mind yet. 
And we all need to do that at some point. Mm, uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. And a lot of what you said just um, resonated with me so much about that. Uh, the people pleasing especially uh, is something that I've uh, recognized in myself and, and been working on. And I'm sure that that is true for a lot of the listeners to the podcast as well. So, yeah, I wonder if we could dive into the neuroscience a little bit and um, yeah, and and how it works, how people can go about making these changes. Um, and moving forward in their life. Yeah, so what I start off with with my clients is I teach them the tools for success. And this is, again, backed by neuroscience. So things that are pretty mainstream, things like journaling. And so we go and we dig deep into why journaling can be so powerful of writing out our story and processing our feelings through writing. And um, so we really make that one of the big tools as we're working together because eventually I want them to be their own coach. I want them to spot their own patterns and their own thoughts that are holding them back. And then we also teach a tool called wins and wins really get your mind focused in on the positive and how you're growing because the brain just naturally wants to see the bad things because it wants to keep us safe and secure. And so we have to intentionally go in there and say, what went well yesterday and show the brain, Hey, these are the things that I'm doing, even though it's small and I'm heading in the right direction because many times we'll just beat ourselves up and we don't think it's working. And then we give up and it's too soon and we just stay stuck in the same pattern. And then on that note too, another tool is gratitude, which is very mainstream, but really just going in there and intentionally getting grateful every day because gratitude is the highest emotional frequency that you can feel when you're in that state, even if it's just for a few seconds, you're changing your brain and you're focusing more on the good again. And when you focus more on the good, that's what you're going to see more of. And that's what you're going to create more of. And we do some other tools and we go through a whole process where we're going in and we're digging deep in what I call the inner mean girl voice in the psychology world. It's called like the voice of the ego. And we even interview that voice, which is crazy powerful. Um, and so it's really just mind-blowing to see how we hold ourselves back in our own brains. And that's why I say this is work everybody should be doing. I wish they taught this in school versus, you know, like learning the parts of the flower or the solar system Um, because we're with our brain all day, every day. We just kind of take whatever our brain gives us and think that's the truth and that's fact. And we have to go in and just see that what we're fed every day isn't necessarily always working in our favor. Mm, Yeah. I, I, yeah. Absolutely agree. And we we have our view of the the truth of a situation, but really that's how we perceive it, isn't it? And it's it's shaped by our our beliefs, our childhood experiences, but we hold it to be completely true. Um, So you can have someone who's had the same experience, witness the same thing, come out with their own version of the truth. (laughs) Yes. And you know, what's been so interesting about that, Hannah, is I've coached people who I went to high school with and we were on the same dance team and something dramatic happened and she had no negative beliefs from that. And I had all these negative beliefs from it. And it just shows as like, it's not about what happens. It's a story we create about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I love talking about stories because <laughs> they're so powerful, aren't they? And and I think, yes. you know, the, the tools you've mentioned, so the journaling and gratitude and, and they're things that we've mentioned before in the podcast. And I think there's a reason that things become mainstream because they do work. They they have an impact, and it it sounds like it's all about re- reframing that mindset and and shifting the um yeah the stories and the way that you're perceiving the world from that negative bias that we have, like you mentioned, to this more um I don't know whether positive or just neutral or 
just yeah. uh, not just accepting it and and just um yeah exploring things more i guess yeah and to learning how to process our feelings and actually learn how to heal things that have happened from our past you know day after day we're just trying to stuff our emotions because the brain just doesn't want to feel certain things but when we learn to feel it we learn it's not so bad and then you know these habits that we don't really like go away like overworking overeating being on social media all the time gossiping shopping too much because those are just ways that we're trying to avoid feeling when feeling, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but it's so much better than overeating or being in debt and all those other things that come along with it. Mm. And how often with the, the people that you work with, would you say that those things you've just mentioned, the overeating and the, the overspending and the social media are because those feelings they didn't want to face are the negative feelings towards themselves. And so they're just kind of like shutting those down. Oh yeah. It happens with everybody. I mean, everybody has what I call their distractions of choice. Um, and so once we go in and we find them and, and then learn how to heal the emotions behind what those distractions are, man, it's so powerful because then you're not consumed and feeling victim to your life. Instead, you're like, wow, I can just go out and accomplish my goals instead of, you know, feeling like I'm stuck or, you know, that if something bad happens, I'm going to go do these behaviors I don't want. It's just, it's so crazy to me because again, it's like, why aren't they teaching this everywhere? We all need to learn these things. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. <laughs> You're just not taught yeah. the um, emotional intelligence or the emotional skills of being able to, as you said, understand, um, express our emotions, process them. And, and I, I guess a lot of that is not just from school, but from parents, because if we ourselves don't want to feel the emotions and just want to bury them down, then that's what we're sort of showing our children. Um, and mm -hmm. we're not wanting to experience their powerful emotions either. So we're kind of passing on the message of like, oh, no, 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 we don't have powerful emotions. We just bury them. And then it's that cycle, isn't it, of, it, of just not dealing with them and not being able to live our lives as fully as as we could if we allowed ourselves to feel the feelings and move through them exactly and you bring up a good point if we're not modeled that how in the world are we going to find it right mm -hmm. so it, some people are lucky and they have parents that model that for them um, I know I was not modeled that um, even I just had a conversation with my mom yesterday and she was talking about how my daughter was feeling something quote-unquote negative I was like, it's okay, mom. She's allowed to feel negative things. She can process this. And I was like, oh, I'm just so worried about her. I was like, it's okay. It's okay to feel those feelings sometimes. We want to just sit there and avoid them and think there's something wrong. Is No, that's the human experience is to feel the ups and the downs and to have the tools to get us through the downs instead of, you know, turning to things that aren't in our best interest. Mm. And I suppose, yeah, if we don't learn that, and learn what those tools are then we go for the the overeating and the social media and those other other ways of coping and and, and dealing with it that are not as healthy for us or, or nurturing for us yeah awesome. so how did you get into life coaching and uh, working with with women in this way yeah so i was a client myself in my late 20s i found out my then partner was living a double life with another woman so fun. Um, and at the time I had checked off all the boxes. Like I went to a great school for college. I got a great job. I even owned a business on the side. Like I was rocking it. Then we ended up having my daughter when we weren't married yet. And that really shook, 
shook us um, or shook me at least because, you know, I had been this good girl and done everything right. And then all of a sudden it's like, Ooh, I didn't get married. And then from there it just kind of snowballed. And once I had her, I decided to stay at home. And so I left my business and my budding career behind and human resources. And, um, I just started to, to think, well, who am I in the world? How am I important? How am I valuable if I'm not bringing in an income or I'm not getting this external accolades instead of just taking care of this baby all day. And my partner wasn't giving it to me so much so that, you know, he started quote unquote traveling for work, which ended up being that he would basically, we would drop him off the airport. He would go across town, live with this woman and, um, he ended up being engaged to her while he was engaged to me. I mean, it was so bizarre, Hannah. Um, and so that was obviously a huge wake up call for me. I had to hire a private investigator at some point. I mean, it was like drama, you know, lifetime movie of the week kind of crap. Um, and so then it was like, okay, then I had to go through a divorce and I had this little two-year-old girl and I was, I just realized like, I have to do something about myself because I attracted this in some way, you know, obviously it came out that he was a narcissist and things of that sort. And I knew he was going to be in her life and I had to really figure out how am I going to make her strong? Well, the way I'm going to make her strong is by making me strong. And so, um, I had been going to therapy actually for about a year prior to that, telling the therapist at the time, I think my husband's cheating on me. And she was like, Oh, you're catastrophizing Lindsay. This is drama. Instead of listening to my concerns and it ended up being way worse than I thought. So I was really burned on therapy at the time. And somebody had mentioned life coaching to me and I thought it was really wacky and woo woo and it didn't have credibility, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it. And the coaching I tried was back by neuroscience. I was like, okay, well at least, you know, science backs this. And so within just like two or three weeks, I started feeling so much better. And I started to see why I had the patterns I had and I was blown away. And of course at this time too, I'm starting to realize like, I'm going to have to go back to work and I don't want to go back to a corporate job where I can't see my daughter. And she had, you know, been at home with me and, um, just coaching started to really fall into my lap of maybe I could do this. I had a psychology background and, you know, my strengths really aligned with coaching and I had run a business as I said, so I knew the entrepreneur aspect. And so from there, after I became a client, I became a coach and I ended up going to getting certified and building my business from there. And I just knew I wanted to work with women who are like me, maybe not in a more dramatic situation like mine, but just had like done all things right. And for whatever reason, you know, things just weren't turning out exactly as they felt. Um, and they just weren't feeling fulfilled because I hadn't felt fulfilled for a while, even checking off the boxes. It was just like, Oh, got a college degree now. Oh, got my job now. And it didn't feel good. And I really wanted to feel good. And coaching gave that to me. So of course, you know, I was like, I want to give this to everybody else. Mm. I've heard that there's a a saying and I'm going to completely destroy it now, (laughs) but it's something about, um, that you are sort of helping someone who's like a couple of steps behind you on the process, you're sort of taking that experience and you're helping other people who are going through the, the kind of same, same thing. And, and I think that's a really powerful thing in coaching because we so often compare ourselves to other people and we want to be perfect, even though that doesn't exist. And I think if you have a coach who seems like they are perfect and have it all together, it can, it can actually kind of turn us off a little bit because it's not relatable. And actually, if you've got a coach who has been through that experience and they're kind of sharing what they've learned, as well as these amazing tools about by neuroscience, I think it just 
makes it feel more I don't know achievable for us to get through the process as well yeah you know it's so funny we always put people on pedestals right like oh there's mm-hmm. so and the reality is we're all the same you know I was watching Michelle Obama's documentary recently becoming and she said something along the lines of she's been at these powerful tables all over the world and she said everybody's sitting there thinking how did I get here how was I the chosen one and it's just mm-hmm. because you know some of us just just figure it out along the way. I'm so grateful that I was introduced to coaching when I was because it completely changed the trajectory of my entire life. Um, and it, again, that's why I'm always saying, why don't we, why don't they teach us in school? Because these are all the things that we need to know about ourselves in order to become our best selves. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And so now you work particularly uh, with women, helping them to become unstoppable women. So I'd, I'd love to know what that what that means, what it means to be an unstoppable woman. Yeah. So an unstoppable woman is just saying you're resilient at the end of the day of no matter what comes your way, you're here to work through it. You're here to face it. You know, that's part of life. And sometimes even, you know, a lot of the women I work with are privileged and they don't even know it yet. Like I would have never thought that about myself, even in my darkest days, but I was still so many steps ahead of so many other people. Mm-hmm. And so even when we're building their amazing life to then, you know, once they have that and they're able to share that abundance back, maybe that's financially or just, you know, being a, you know, quote unquote, good person, whatever that is, they're able to still say, okay, how can I continue to go in and help the world? Um, You know, I read this, it's kind of like a little kid's version of a biography of, um, of different women to my daughter. And so many of them, they come out through this, these, these hard things, and yet they still go back and they'll go help other people. And that's kind of how I view it is that, you know, we go through these hard things and then we have to to look at ourselves and say, how do I want to help? And what's so interesting is I don't even put that in my clients. It's just during the process, we go to a point where it's their life purpose and what they want to really achieve in their legacy. And every single person that I've coached in the past six years has always said, I want to help people but I don't know how, how am I going to help them? And so it's just in our natural DNA that we want to do this stuff. And so to me, that's really the unstoppable woman is, is not being scared of that, of saying, I can go do hard things. I can help other people in um, achieving their best life, no matter how that looks, even if I'm just an accountant or a teacher or whatever, it doesn't have to be your coach to, um, to really help them kind of get out of their fire and, and make something really great. Hmm. I think that's so true that wanting to have helped people or make a difference and you said about it being in our DNA and I think that's definitely true because it so often people will say like you said their purpose and it it comes back to something around other people helping other people and I think from that the kind of I guess the neuroscience perspective it's in a way it's kind of selfish being altruistic because you get a buzz as well from it um yeah but it's a good kind of selfish it's like I feel good if I help other people. And uh, so I think it's it's great that uh, there are more people are starting to recognize that for themselves, that that is what a purposeful life will feel like to actually have an impact on other people. And um, yeah, hopefully start making the world a kind of kinder, better place. That's my sort of aim, which um, yeah, I think it can be hard, yeah. can't it? You know, when you look at everything that's happening in the world and I'm feeling just what, what difference can I make? You know, I'm just one person. And I wonder whether to begin with, that's the sort of the feeling that women have of what can I possibly do when there is so much happening? Yeah. And it goes back 
to um, the story I'm reminded of called the Starfish Story. Have you ever heard of it, Hannah? I haven't, no. Yeah, so it's it's along the lines of somebody's like running on the beach and they see all these starfish that have washed up from the ocean. And obviously, you know, the, the starfish need to be in the ocean or they dry out. And so this person just starts throwing one starfish at a time and someone runs up and says, you know, what are you doing? You're never going to be able to save all of them. And the person says, yeah, but I just saved that one and I just saved another. And I say, and that's the whole world to that person. Um and I always think about that story. And two, I think about now with the coronavirus. Now, I don't think it's been confirmed how it started. But one rumor is that somebody ate like an undercooked bat. And I saw a tweet that somebody said, if you don't think you can change the world, think about that one person who ate that undercooked bat. <laughs> and how it's mm. like spread the coronavirus, right? And it's true. Is like we you know, I impact one person that, and that person impacts somebody else. And it all spreads around. We're all connected. Mm. Well, I think we sometimes talk about things like kindness being contagious, but actually, I guess if you consider it like a virus and how it spreads, it does kind of ripple out and you're, you spread some joy to someone else and lift them up and then they spread it to other people. And yeah, I think, I guess what's happening at the moment helps us to visualize a lot more of how much yeah. impact we can have as an individual and how many people we can reach in our daily lives, because it's, that's, you know what the news has been talking about hasn't it about one person can impact however many people and I think before we hadn't really thought about how many people day to day we can have an impact on yeah yeah and so um yeah when you work with women you say about uh, helping them become the strong resilient and powerful women they were meant to be which just sounds amazing and and I wonder I'd, I'd love to come back to resilience a little bit more because it's a word that gets thrown around um, a fair amount and I wonder if we can dive into what it what it really means and how we can develop resilience for ourselves. Yeah, I think the way we develop resilience is not being afraid of our emotions and going in and and looking at the hard things that have happened to us. Um, I, I, you know, I I say that in a way of. I always hate kind of exposing those hard things and then just leaving them open because I felt like in my therapy experience, again, not dogging on therapy, but I just felt like we opened it and then that was it. And I was like, why the hell did I open this if you're not going to help me heal it? And so um, at least in my coaching process, we open it, we look at it, we study it, we see what the beliefs are, and then we go and we heal it and we process those emotions. And then those things aren't they're always going to be a part of you, but they're not holding you back anymore. You know, like for my divorce, for example, so many people are like, oh man, Lindsay's screwed. Like she's never going to get over this. She's going to be this scorned woman. No one's, I mean, who's going to take her on? And um, first off, I didn't, I chose not to believe that crap that was coming my way. I chose to believe this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to me. And so that led me into a place where I could forgive and get over that. And I'm so glad I did because for a while it was just consuming my mind and I had anxiety and I would wake up just so angry and heartbroken. And I really wanted to get over that. I really wanted to find forgiveness and acceptance and love with that. And I'm so grateful I did because that would have just kept consuming my mind. Um, and so that's really what builds, I think, resilience is going in and looking at that stuff. Um, but two, you know, we have to have the tools to do that. And if we don't, we just get frustrated and mad and stay in like this state of sadness, if not depression, because it's like, I want this gone, but I don't know how. I suppose that's where working with, if you if you have a supportive therapist or with, or with a coach, so actually having someone to 
help you through that process to like you said to open the, that that wound up to explore it but then to actually start to heal it so it's not just left open or it's not going to keep coming back up and actually being able to be supported through that process because I imagine it's very difficult if you're not that it's not possible by yourself to kind of open these things up and to to reach um a, a state of healing or, or to move through things but I imagine having that almost like hand holding through the process makes it easier oh yeah totally I love how you said hand holding because it's so true because even I worked with a coach recently and we brought up some stuff that I mean it was so deep I didn't even know it was there um and it, I didn't feel like I was like my hand was being held and so it's really rough on me of like you know, hold my hand here. I was like, I need something. And so that's something I always tell my clients is like, okay, the first three months of coaching, it's going to feel a little funky. We're shaking up a bunch of stuff. We're going through what feels like this really dark forest, but I'm right here with you. I'm holding your hand through this. We're going to get to the other side in a few months and you're going to see this beautiful new island that we're going to go to. And I just promise to stay with me. And I think sometimes too, we need to tell our clients that, um, be it therapist, coach, or whatever is like, I am here with you. I, you know, you, you, you got this and I'm here to help you through this because otherwise I know for me, I just feel like, Oh, I'm all alone again. I have to do this on my own. And, um, it, it can shut some people down. And so it's so important that we're there with them. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, that, that visual of the, the reaching that beautiful Island. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, we, we can't do the work for for the person we're helping but I think that's something really powerful that you know walking alongside them and, and holding their hand and being there to support them because we I think we all at times no matter how strong and resilient we are need that bit of support or just someone saying like you've got this you can you can do this mm-hmm. um so yeah uh, it's so interesting and hearing about your work and and um yeah and neuroscience and I'm definitely someone who is maybe a bit of a skeptic so when, when you hear kind of backed by neuroscience for me that's like awesome um because yeah I, I think there are a lot of life coaches and there's a lot of yeah what? a lot of and, <laughs> yeah and a lot of noise I think as well yeah. there's a lot of noise around yeah and and so sometimes finding someone who is going to support you and who has a method that works and it's not to say that things that aren't yet backed by neuroscience aren't going to work but just I think for some of us we, we work in different ways and for me when I hear like backed by science that's like, <laughs> it's like a, yeah me whew. too I'm like whew. okay and then I'm like and then show it to me like show yeah. me the proof where's your where's your articles or your your yeah, facts yeah. yeah and and that won't be true of everyone yeah. listening but it certainly is true of, <laughs> true of me so um Awesome. So I have some set questions I ask everyone that comes on. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on these. Uh, so my first one is because uh, one of the things that we talk about a lot, I've got a couple of buzzwords I love to talk about. And the first one is joy. So I'd love to know what always brings you joy in your life. Oh, always. <laughs> I'd say nature. Or yeah, <laughs> nature, because my children, it's, a, it's an up and down. But um, yeah, nature, being in nature and the peace in nature and the beauty in it. Um, you know, like right now, we're still somewhat in quarantine a bit with this Corona stuff. And so yesterday, I just sat on my, um, like right by my back door and just watched outside for a while. It's just so peaceful. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I, I've sort of changed that question up a bit because I normally say, always say, what always boosts your mood? 
and then what brings you joy is the two parts. So maybe always isn't the right word because like you said, it, it changes um, <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my next one is what makes life meaningful for you? I would say, and this is going to sound so typical, but the first thing that comes to mind are my kids. Um, just because when I'm having really mm-hmm. hard days or, you know, I just think, oh, am I making a difference? Am I doing this? It's like, oh my gosh, I totally am. Like, look at my kids. And it just gives me more of like that inspiration to keep going, especially my daughter. You know, I said that was one of the big inspirations why I started my business and went through coaching. And so anytime I'm having these hard feelings, I think, okay, I've got to deal with this because I need to be the best I can be for her. Mm-hmm. Well, we're, we're a social creature, aren't we? We're part of these, um, these big communities. So I think, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it comes up a lot for people and ask this question is about family and it just shows how important that is to us and, and that sense of feeling connected. And um, yeah, so the big, I guess the big topic <laughs> that everything on the podcast comes back to is about mental well-being and, and kind of mental health. So I have two questions around this. Uh, so what does mental wellness mean to you and how do you look after your own mental well-being? Hmm, that's a good one. Okay, so mental wellness means to me, it's, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but dealing with all the feelings, <laughs> dealing with the ups and the downs, the good and the bad, and not even seeing it as the bad is the bad, right? It's just a part of the human experience and not wanting to numb that, even though it stinks and it feels so uncomfortable. As I said, just a few months ago, I went through a period where I was dealing with some really heavy stuff and it wasn't like, you know, these deep, dark secrets. It was just like, seeing the way that I was raised and the attachment style wasn't necessarily healthy. And because that was so ingrained in me, I didn't know anything different was like, wow, I mean, those behaviors were not appropriate. And so just dealing with, you know, those things, it's really hard, but it's so much easier in the long run to deal with them than to stuff them down. And I'm so glad I did because now I'm on on the other side of it and life is even better. Like every time I do that kind of heavy, deep work, I think, oh God, am I going to make it through this? Is it going to be worth it? And then I get on the other side and I'm like, wow, life's even better. And I thought life was pretty good at, to begin with. Um, so yeah, it just keeps getting better and better. And then the, and then what was the second part of the question, Hannah? Is how you look after your own mental well-being. And how I look after it is just like the tools I've, I've shared is the biggest one, journaling and um, coaching is a big one. I'm always investing in coaching. I went through a period where I didn't and life was great and I you know, maintained really well, but we're just beings that we're always wanting to grow and to get better. And I recently actually rehired my very first life coach in this past year. I've just grown so much from that. Um, and I've hired even other coaches here and there, like one uh, with marriage and things of that sort. So um, I just kind of view it as like, that's just part of my budget. It's just part of what I have. And um, it really just helps me stay strong. And, and of course, I'm in a profession where I need to really work at my own mental well-being so I can provide the best space for my clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important if we're, if we're in any kind of role where we are supporting other people with big stuff, emotions to to look after ourselves so that we can really show up for them and um yeah be able to support them and do the hand holding <laughs> but exactly but we need our hands held as well so um yeah I think that's really important um as a reminder that you know no matter how strong and resilient you are yeah we all need our hand held sometimes so we've touched a little bit on on mindset um when we were talking um, at the beginning, but I always challenge people that come on to describe their own mindset. Describe my own mindset. 
um, I think it is, again, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but it's long lines of like, I'm here for it all. I'm here for the good, the bad, the ugly. Like, I just want to live a really full life and feel all the feelings. Um, and so, you know, whatever's thrown my way, I know I can get through it. And that's where, again, you create that resilience of like, you know, even your deepest, darkest fears. Like if something happened to my children, I think, well, could I get through that? And I just have to take a deep breath and say, yeah, I, I believe I could because I'm, I'm so grateful I have the tools to get me through that. Yeah, hopefully it's something that you never have to, <laughs> to, to try and do. But I think it's, yeah, it's that. Um, yeah. Yeah, like you said, that being able to just experience everything that life has to offer and just knowing in yourself, like I can, I can get through it, I can handle it. And, and it makes me think of, um, I read last year, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, and I'd had it for ages, finally read it. But that kind of all came down to this idea of that fear of not being able to handle things and I think if you know yourself that actually pretty much anything that comes up I could handle it would not be comfortable it would be difficult but I know I could get through it I think that's a really powerful thing to to know and be able to um yeah to feel for yourself yeah absolutely so it's my penultimate question now um I always ask guests that come on to share some practical ideas with the listeners and we have like a toolbox approach because there's not a one size fits all process we're all different individuals so it's very much that people can try them out and and see what works for them but um if you could leave people with one to three things that they could try in their life they're going to have a massive impact what would you suggest hmm the first is journaling um, mm-hmm. and learning how to journal your feelings. And that's just starting with, I feel statements. Like after something happens, you know, like I have a client that just wrote me an email yesterday. It's like, Oh, I just got in a big fight with my husband and here's what happened. And I just said, it's time to go process your feelings. So I feel mad because my husband did X, Y, Z. I feel upset because da, da, da. I feel fearful because da, da, da. I write all those out. Like I give my clients this big feelings chart to see what the feelings are. Cause sometimes we don't even know what we're feeling. We have to see the word and really start to learn how the word relates to the feeling in our body. Um, because again, we're just so used to numbing out. And so journaling again can just be so powerful in that way. And I used to hate journaling when my coach made me start to do it. I didn't really get into it. It takes time and, um, just know that it does work. It just takes time and it's uncomfortable, but you'll start to see benefits so quickly. Um, the second one is again, a tool I mentioned here on the show of just really intentionally being positive every day, you know, saying something you're grateful for, finding what went well the day prior. And it could be as easy as just seeing a shift in your mindset of instead of choosing this negative thought, you know, I decided to move forward with this other thought instead of grabbing for the cupcake, I didn't. And you'll start to see how much power you have in these little bitty choices you're making every single day. And when you just make one choice differently, it can really open up huge doors for you and to show your brain that and it builds momentum. Um, you know, it's just like what if you're losing weight and you don't see the number move on the scale, it's like, Oh, this stinks. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, versus, you know, if, if you do, and, and it's the same with any kind of growth of seeing that progress. And then the third thing I would say 
And again, this is very mainstream. And like Hannah said, it's probably mainstream because it works. And that's self-care and really mm -hmm. learning how to take care of yourself. That fills your bucket. You know, a lot of people say, well, I'll just go watch Netflix or I'll scroll my phone. And really at the end of the day, like that stuff isn't very fulfilling most of the time. Um, for many people, it's very simple activities of being alone, taking a bath, being in nature, reading a book. Um, just taking deep breaths, maybe rubbing some lotion on their hands. Those are the little bitty things that start to just really fill your bucket to um, make a, a big impact. Just taking that time every day can be so huge on your mental health. Amazing. Thank you for those. Oh, great tips. And I love the, the, have you seen the feelings wheel? I don't know if that's what you use. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So mine's like a chart instead of a wheel. Yeah. And, and I love those kind of things. Cause like you said, if it, if we've not been taught about emotions and about feelings because we just assume that it's just that you just figure it out <laughs> then you don't learn to locate those feelings in your body and that when I'm feeling this thing in my body this is the name of that emotion so actually being able to make that link and name the feelings is so powerful there's something about being able to name it that I think kind of externalizes it a bit and so it loses a bit of its power if that makes sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause it goes to the logical brain. It's like, okay, I'm just feeling frustrated. What am I feeling frustrated? About? And like, you know, looking at the thoughts and things of that sort versus just feeling like your body's taken over by this demon. And I think that I've heard before someone, and this was yeah. specifically with anxiety, that when they're feeling that they, they named their anxiety. So they kind of, that, that demon, if you like, they gave it a name because then it was just, I don't know what, Brian, Mm -hmm. um and that's I quite like that one because I'd I, I'm I'd seen someone who had written brain before like what is my brain doing but they had a typo and they called it Brian and I just love that because it's just Brian like what's Brian up to <laughs> and it's just quite powerful because yeah it's it's separating yeah. it from yourself a little bit and being able to have yeah. that space and like you said engage the logical mind um to look at the situation um and I wonder, you mentioned Michelle Obama earlier. Have you seen her becoming journal? I haven't. Uh, I So I bought it um, for myself sort of around Christmas time. And I didn't open it actually until the beginning of quarantine. And it's amazing. It has um, a prompt each day. And, and for anyone who is new to journaling and they are not sure how to get into it, I would absolutely recommend it because there's just a prompt in their questions that you maybe wouldn't even think of. And it just gets you to start exploring your your past or your feelings or uh, all of that. And and I've been committed to doing it every day through um, through lockdown, um, and I'm loving it. And so I, I guess yeah, it's a bit of a recommendation for anyone who just doesn't know where to start because it gives you those prompts. It gets you into that habit of thinking about things. And um, I've really enjoyed getting to know myself more <laughs> through it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it has, again, I love how mainstream this stuff is becoming and, you know, other successful people who are saying, Hey, you're the tools, yeah. you know, that, that just shows there's so much power and proof in it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, cause I think there can be that initial reaction of like, Oh, everyone says that I'm not going to do it. And, and I've yeah. talked about this before with exercise when I, um, you know, was feeling depressed and everyone says and if you search online for things that help exercise is one of the first thing that comes up and I was just like oh it's so boring everyone says that but actually when I tried it <laughs> there's a reason that everyone says it helps because it does yeah yeah so my last question 
is where can people find you if they want to connect with you online, if they're interested in working with you? I know you have a podcast as well. So where can people find you? Yeah. So Hannah, you mentioned my podcast. It's called Become an Unstoppable Woman. You can find it on any podcast player. And I release episodes every week. And then you can find me on my website. And it's Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-E, Preston.com. And you can just learn more about me there and um, see how we can start working together. I do a free consult call with anybody and we just talk through your life and where you're at and where you want coaching to help you to really see for a good fit to move forward with that. And then the social channel I'm on most is Instagram. And so you can just find me there at Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-E Preston over there. And um, just, just follow along the journey and get some great tips to help you continue to make your life better and better. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. And I will absolutely in the show notes link to uh, your website and on social media. And we'll put the link to your podcast so people can find you. But I've so loved chatting to you today. And I'm definitely on the same page <laughs> around coaching and neuroscience. So it's been, yeah, it's been great to, to hear about your work and becoming an unstoppable woman. And it's been fab. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me, Hannah. So thank you again to Lindsay for joining us for this episode. As I was saying at the beginning about losing momentum and not following through, I was saying about the Becoming Journal, which I love, and it has been sat on my desk feeling a bit neglected for the past few weeks. And I guess that maybe I I mentioned on Monday, I saw four weeks into getting back in the gym. and And I do think I have struggled a little bit I guess with my my mental well-being in that some of the routines that that really helped me have been difficult to do so the gym was one of them and journaling and I think sometimes you can get into the cycle of when one of those things that helps you goes then it's easy for others to kind of slip away and for you to slip back into maybe some of the negative more negative habits that you had previously so kind of snoozing the alarm that we talked about Monday or uh, snacking on junk food too much, or looking at your phone first thing. <laughs> and all of these things kind of slipped back in. And and I was feeling quite drained and quite, not low, not depressed in the way I have before, but just feeling a bit blah. And, and so things like the Becoming Journal, yeah, kind of slipped to one side. But as I said, Monday, four weeks back into the gym. And so actually... I can feel the boost in my mood again. And this is why I sort of talk about exercise. And as I've said before, yeah, people say it, it helps. And actually, as we said with Lindsay, the reason that people talk about these things over and over again, journaling and exercise and gratitude, is because they do work. But it's about finding the way to access them that works for you. So having got back into the gym now and making that a routine, I've, I'm feeling that uplift in my mood and energy. Um, and so things like the journaling and, and that other kind of stuff to really help me kind of connect with myself are things that I'm, I'm starting to put back in. And I guess this is, you know, we talked about coaches being perfect and I am not a perfect coach in any way, <laughs> far from it. But I think this, this is a journey and this is something that people have uh, talked about when I asked the mental wellbeing question to people that it's not a fixed point. It's not suddenly you're like, oh, yes. I've got it now. I'm mentally well. I'm <laughs> I'm fab. I'm sorted. Because life happens and 
and it's like um a wave I guess and you know sometimes you're riding high and sometimes I always seem to use wave analogies this kind of thing uh probably because I'm missing the sea <laughs> but uh you know sometimes you're riding high sometimes you're getting water in the face and it's a bit uncomfortable but I think it's constantly being able to when it has been difficult when you have slipped being able to come back to that place of being okay and I as you know love talking about being okay coming back to that point and refocusing and going okay where am I now it doesn't matter where I've been before how great things were before it doesn't matter how bad things were before whatever because sometimes we can be like oh well, I don't feel as good as I did before and then we can beat ourselves up around that or I don't feel as bad as I did before so we kind of think it's okay to feel what we're feeling when actually maybe we could feel better if we did some of that self-care stuff so just kind of thinking where am I now what do I need on a physical level an emotional level a spiritual level and making the time for that and it's a journey sometimes things will be going well you'll be in that routine and it'll be working and sometimes you won't and sometimes you'll slip no matter how much you talk about it no matter whether you have a podcast about well-being and talk about it all the time things will happen and and you'll slip and um and I guess that's what's happened over the last few months but I'm sort of slowly getting back on it and um putting things back in and as I've said that exercise for me is the big is the big one having that building block in place if you like and then other things can more easily fit on top of that and you might have a different thing which is like the the big one for you but I think sometimes you know when we have slipped and we're just feeling a bit stuck and we don't know how we can get back to kind of feeling good again if you know what that big thing is for you that boosts your mood the most that you enjoy once you kind of get into it but that other things kind of pile on top of so as I mentioned before once I started doing the exercise then my sleep was better my nutrition was better because it's all kind of linked so it might be for you that journaling is that one thing or prayer or meditation is that one thing that once you start doing that other things more easily fall into place but I would um, encourage you if you haven't kind of figured out for yourself what what that kind of big big rock is if you like to have a think about it and to remember you know no matter how you're feeling today if you're feeling great awesome unfortunately it won't last (laughs) there will be difficult days but knowing that you can get back on it you can get back to being okay not being too attached to that feeling and if things are not not so good knowing that you can get back to being okay and that things will get better things have gotten better before things can get better again and so thinking about where you are and what you can do for yourself for your self-care even if you're feeling amazing it's still important to look after yourself and nurture yourself Uh, and then my final thought if you're listening to this on Wednesday when it comes out tomorrow actually it doesn't matter when you listen to this but (laughs) tomorrow Thursday 10th we have our suicide discussion panel um, and that is actually going to be coming out as Monday's episode. So next Monday is the, the the recap. So join us live, ask questions, contribute on Facebook Live if you can. If not, you can listen to that discussion on Monday. All things being well, because it is the first time that I'm streaming a live discussion from Zoom to Facebook Live with five people. So 
well six people including me so fingers crossed it all goes well and that will be the episode on monday if not it'll be a bit of a shuffle and who knows what (laughs) what it will be but please have a good week look after yourself be kind to yourself and join us on monday take care bye